turn your Bible to John chapter 13. Now this is a very sacred and wonderful time in the life of Jesus. You'll notice that all of the Gospels give the larger part of their Gospel writing to the last week. We come to John 13. The Scripture says in the last verse, Jesus answered, Wilt thou lay down thy life for my sake? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, The cock shall not crow till thou hast denied me thrice. Speaking to Simon Peter. Now in that passage also it says, And having loved his own, he loved them to the end. Shortly after this, between chapter 13 and 14, Jesus and the disciples went out to the Garden of Gethsemane. The Lord's Supper had taken place in the upper room, the last Passover and then the Supper of the Lord. And then in Gethsemane, he told the disciples to wait. He took Peter, James, and John and went a little further. They were the inner circle. And then he left them and told them to watch and pray. And then he went a little farther and fell on a rock. And he said, Lord, if it could be thy will, may this cup pass from me. The cup was the cup of sin. Jesus came to die. He was not trying to get out of his death on the cross. The awful thing about that was all of the sins of the world, the sewerage of the world, was to be put on Jesus. That's almost unbearable. Jesus was sinless, holy, never had lifted up his soul in deceit, never had sworn deceitfully, never had soiled his hands with sin, and yet all of our sin collectively, all of these years, stretching clear back to Adam, including all the dregs of sin that anyone could ever commit placed on Jesus. And he said, Lord, if it could be thy will, may this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. I do not believe Jesus was trying to get out of the cross or to keep from dying on the cross. For this cause came I forth, Jesus said. But the cup of iniquity, the cup of sin, the sewerage of it all, placed on that holy, precious one. Well, told them a little bit more about the cross. He said that I'll fall on the hands of sinful men. They will crucify me, but the third day I'll rise again. They didn't understand that. They were troubled. Their hearts were burdened. There were tears. And then Jesus began to say in chapter 14, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may be also. And whither I go, you know, and the way you know. And Thomas said, Lord, we know not whither thou goest. How can we know the way? 
And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And in those words, Jesus taught so much. He said, you're going to have trouble, but don't let the trouble get in your heart. And then he said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Heaven is a place, a prepared place for a prepared people. One of the great testimonies to the truth of heaven is Moses. Now listen a moment. Moses died and was buried on the mountains of Nebo. He was not allowed to go into the promised land because of sin. Elijah never died. He was taken to heaven in a whirlwind, a chariot of fire. But on the Mount of Transfiguration, spoken of in all the Gospels, Peter, James, and John were with Jesus. I think it was Mount Hermon. And Jesus was translated and transfigured before them. His garments were shining like the sun. And they saw Moses and Elijah. Moses had been dead for years and years. And we read in the book of Jude that the devil had a contest with the angel of God over the body of Moses. And this may be conjecture, but I believe Jesus, God was having an early resurrection for Moses. He is going to be one of the first fruits so that when Jesus was here and needed strengthening for what was going to happen the next day at Calvary, Moses and Elijah were there to talk to him about it. Moses representing the prophets. Elijah, the, Moses representing the law. Elijah, the prophets. And thus the whole fulfillment of the Old Testament law and prophets were to be fulfilled in Jesus and what was to happen on the cross. And then Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you, but I'll come again. The glorious second coming of Christ spoken of here. That coming of Jesus is spoken of either in our death or in his second coming. There's a sense in which Jesus comes for his own. We do not see this, but many, many, many times through the years, and if you get books that deal with some of the great saints who have gone to heaven just before they left us, they look up and they'll say, look, there he is. Dr. Lee had that experience. There's Jesus, and there's Mama, and there's heaven. And I preached about it all these years, but I didn't tell you half of it. He closed his eyes in death. Moody was dying. He said, if this is death, there's nothing to be afraid of. This is my coronation day. And he saw some of his loved ones who have gone on to heaven. I want to tell you tonight, heaven is real. Streets of gold, walls of jasper. The best thing about heaven is Jesus. And he said, I've gone personally to prepare a place. So you and I who know the Lord, we don't have to be afraid of death. How wonderful, how precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of the righteous. A little bit later in that same chapter, verse 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. 
Not as the world giveth give I unto you, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Then in chapter 15, Jesus still speaking to his disciples. He says in verse 9, As the Father hath loved me, so have I have loved you. Continue ye in my love. Verse 13, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Verse 16, You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you, that you should go and bring forth fruit, that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. And then in chapter 16, These things have I spoken unto you, that ye should not be offended. They shall put you out of the synagogues. The time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think he doeth God service. We're living in times like that now. Then he said in verse 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. If I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they believe not on me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and ye see me no more. Of judgment because the Prince of this world is judged. When he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. He shall not speak of himself. Listen, don't let anybody come up and say, well, I'm a Holy Ghost woman, or I'm a Holy Ghost man. The Holy Ghost never calls attention to himself. He points to Jesus. He talks about Jesus. He's the one that knocks on our heart and causes us to feel our need of Jesus. And when he fills us, he doesn't fill us to magnify himself. He fills us to magnify Jesus and for boldness in declaring the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. Then in verse 17, chapter 17, this is actually the Lord's Prayer, prayed in the garden. The model prayer is in Matthew 6, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's the prayer Jesus taught his disciples when they said, teach us to pray. But the Lord's prayer is in John 17. These words spoke Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son that thy son also may glorify thee. Verse four, I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. Verse 6, I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me. Verse 9, I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. And in verse 13, and now I come to thee. And these things I speak in the world that they might have joy fulfilled in themselves. Verse 17, Sanctify them through the truth. Thy truth, thy word is truth. And then we come to verse 26. I have declared unto them thy name and will declare it that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them and I in them.
And then in chapter 18, we have the close of Gethsemane. Jesus, having prayed, not my will but thine be done, went back and found Peter, James, and John asleep. He said to them, could you not watch with me one hour? Sleep on. And as he walked to the edge of the garden, Judas, Judas came with a band of soldiers and led them to Jesus. And Judas, pretending to worship the Lord, went forward and kissed him. And the thrust of the Greek word there, he kissed him and kept on kissing him. And Jesus said, Wilt thou betray the Son of Man with a kiss? And then he said, Whom seek ye? They said, Jesus of Nazareth. And the Lord said, I am he. And they fell back. They got up and came again. Jesus said, Whom seek ye? Jesus of Nazareth. I am he. Let these go. And the disciples all went away. We'll take up here next time. But it's good for us to meditate as we think of what Jesus did on the cross for our sins. I want to sing in a moment that song at Calvary. Years I spent in vanity and pride, caring not my Lord was crucified, knowing not it was for me he died at Calvary. Mercy there was great, grace was free, Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. Calvary was no accident in history. It was always in the heart of God. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Listen, friend. We come to Jesus just like a little child. We come in faith, nothing doubting. We don't come through the candles. We don't come through the communion. We don't come through baptism. We don't come through some holy priest. We come directly to God through Jesus. And friend, if you have not come that way, you haven't come. You may be a member of a church, but if you've not repented of your sins and put your faith in Christ, you're not saved. John 3 goes on to say, He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for the wonderful truth of the Bible. Thank you for those last days in the earthly ministry of Jesus and the beautiful truths he gave us, truths that provide a platform of faith. And when we put our faith in Jesus, all those promises become ours. We pray that someone here tonight who has never been saved will open his heart to Christ, that every one of us will say, Lord, I don't want to be like Peter. I certainly don't want to be like Judas. I don't want to betray you nor deny you. I want to be what God wants me to be. 
And I yield myself to thee in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand. What's the number? Page 57. At Calvary, the most important event in all of history at Calvary. Let's sing it. 57. If God has spoken to your heart, do what he says to you to do. If you're not here, you're here tonight and you've never been saved, I urge you to come to Christ tonight. Don't put it off. We don't know how long we have. Come quickly. If you're already saved, the question is, are you living where God answers prayer? Are you doing what God wants? While we sing, will you come?